Welcome to the Weekly Words of Worship podcast. My name is Daniel Innocent. I'm a youth pastor with the Ontario Seventh-day Adventist Conference. And currently, I'm enrolled in Andrews University where I'm getting my master's degree in divinity. I invite you to join me in reading, studying, and meditating on God's word. This study is not prepared beforehand, which allows you to be a participant in the studying process. This will teach you how to study the Bible for yourself, which is the greatest gift that I can give you. Once we begin a book, we read it to the very end. No skipping verses, no reading out of context. Now, sit back in a prayerful state and let's enjoy the day's reading together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here yet again. We ask, Lord, that um, you would help us as we read your word to gain understanding and that you would just be with us and continue to lead us in the way. Lord, um, thank you for everyone who's come onto the Bible study today. And I ask, Lord, that you would help them to learn how to study the Bible for themselves so that they can be sure to know you and to know um, your word and to know what you're saying and not just following what they've heard from their parents or from their pastors or their religious leaders, but Lord, that they would learn your word so that they can be able to hear from you directly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hello, everyone, welcome back. We continue our study in the book of John. So I, I'm not gonna lie, I already recorded this, but for some reason the file was corrupted. So here we go again. So I ask you to open up your Bibles, please, and follow me. Um, we're gonna be reading from verse 43 of John chapter one. And it is very important that you do open up your Bible, your personal Bible, because if you don't, it's going to be very hard to remember where some of these passages are. And it's uh, very important that you know where they are because you're going to be um, referencing these verses for the rest of your life. You know, and I can tell you that for sure. The things that I've learned in the Bible, you know, if I didn't have the ability to underline and to really try to commit to memory that this is where that text is on this page, um, man. You know, I'm just so thankful that I did that because if I didn't, I I would have forgotten a lot of these things, but you really commit it to memory and then you underline it, you have it in your actual Bible that you actually, you know, that you flip through, that you use, and it's great. So I invite you to get your Bible. You can press pause and I'll give you a moment to do so. All right, welcome back. So uh, verse 43, the following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. It's interesting that Jesus asks people to follow him before he has a chance to really prove himself to them. You know what I mean? And it's, it's almost like they have to take a leap of faith in just choosing to follow him because they don't know him yet. Right? It's like... Um, Think about it like this. If let's say my dad is going on a trip. Let's say I live at home with my parents and my dad is going on a trip. And he says, Daniel, uh, follow me. 
right? That's easy. That's my dad. I know him. He says, follow me. What am I going to do? I'm going to follow him, especially if I don't, you know, and I'm still living at my parents. So he says, follow me. And I don't, I might get one box upside the head, right? <laughs> but that's easy because it's someone who I know, someone who I'm f- familiar with. But here, when Jesus is going to the disciples and saying, follow me, even if people have seen him uh, and heard about him doing miracles here and there, they don't personally know him. So it takes a leap of faith just to start following him. And the same thing is true today, right? Um, And that's probably the biggest hurdle. You know, I've done a lot of witnessing. I've told... um, a lot of people about Jesus. And I don't say that to brag because I should have told a lot more people about Jesus. And that's a fact, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't, uh, you know, proclaimed Christ in a way that I would have liked to, I would have liked to do it far more and at a, at a bigger scale. But anyways, um, one of the biggest hurdles that you'll find when you're witnessing to somebody is just that, right? You're trying to invite them on this journey that you know um, is going to be so fulfilling for them, that you know that God is uh, going to work things out for them that they just wouldn't be able to, uh, that they have no idea of what they're missing out on. You see what I'm saying? But again, it's like, well, it's easy for you who knows God to know that it's worth following him But for somebody who doesn't know him, it's a lot harder, right? Because it's like, well, I don't know him. I don't know these things, right? But it takes faith just to give it a try. It takes faith just to start. You know, I heard a a proverb that says, uh, how does it go? It's not a Bible proverb. It's just like one of those, you know, those proverbs that you hear just in living life. And it says, the journey of a thousand miles starts with the first footstep. And, um, you know, that's the biggest thing. We need to make that first step. We need to make that first step towards God, towards walking with him, towards having a relationship with him. We have to, right? And, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the Bible says, oh, taste and see. You have to experience it for yourself. You know, um, as much as you might hear people talking about it, it might have been a curiosity to you. And I know I might be speaking to people who are still at that place of curiosity. But you have to try it for yourself. You have to take that deep dive. And, uh, you know, I would say commit yourself. Commit yourself to a certain uh, amount of time that you're saying that, you know, I am going to I'm going to give my all to following Jesus for this month. I'm just going to give it a a shot, but I'm going to do it the way that the Bible says to do it. I'm going to do it with faith. I'm going to do it with my whole heart. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek his face every day and give it a shot and see, see how it turns out. See how it turns out for yourself. And I have confidence enough to say that because I know how it will turn out. Because I'm not just talking to you about God. I actually believe that he exists for real. (laughs) Right? <laughs> I actually believe 100%. I believe. So anyways, Jesus says to him, um, Jesus says to Philip, follow me. Um, and we know that Philip accepts. But let's see what Philip does with this. 
Let's see what Philip does with this. What does he do after he first starts to follow Jesus, right? The Bible says in verse 44, now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Okay. So city is from the same place as Andrew and Peter. We remember Andrew and Peter before. Andrew, um, it was one of John's disciples. The first person who he went to go get was uh, Simon, uh, his brother. And we remember that Jesus changes Simon's name from Simon to Peter. Okay. That happened in verse 42. I know you're going to look and you're say, I don't see Peter. I see Cephas. Yes. Cephas is a Greek way of saying rock. And uh, that's the same word as Peter. Okay. So anyways. Um, this is just letting us know that Philip is from the same place as them. He's from the same city as them. Um, verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay. So Philip comes to Nathanael. And he immediately witnesses with faith, right? He doesn't just say, I want you to meet this guy. But he tells uh, his friend exactly who Jesus is in terms of the significance of who he is, being that he's the Messiah, he's the Christ. And this is a big thing because all of the Old Testament points forward towards the awaiting Christ. Okay, there's prophecies all throughout um, the Old Testament about who the Christ will be, who the Messiah will be. And the, and the Messiah is supposed to be the Savior. I want you to think about. So, okay, who is it that the Jews are waiting for? What kind of person is it that they're waiting for as a Messiah? Right now, the only reason why if you're a Christian, the only reason why you're not a Jew um, well, I shouldn't say the only reason, but the main reason that we're not Jews and that we're Christians is because we believe that the Messiah has come and that his name is Jesus. And the reason why Jews are still Jews and that they're not Christians is because they don't believe that the Messiah has come because they don't believe that the Messiah is Jesus. So what is it that they're looking for? Okay, so when the Jews are looking at a savior or looking at a Messiah, they're looking at how it's traditionally been in the Bible. If you look in the Bible, you'll see that there's lots of times that Israel was put under captivity and a savior would come, right? Uh, in Exodus, uh, when the Israelites were taken into slavery in Egypt, Remember, it's Moses who rises up to take them out of the land of Egypt, right? Um, and so, you know, for the Jews, the, 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 the Messiah is supposed to save you from your oppressor. He's supposed to take you out of bondage. He's supposed to take you out of slavery. He's supposed to take you out of uh, that government that's ruling over you, Okay. That's what happened with Moses. That's what happened with Joshua. That's what happened with, um, you know, even if you go into the book of Judges and you read the stories of the different judges of Gideon and, you know, so on and so forth. This is what they're there to do. This is what they're there to do. They're there to take 
the children out of bondage. And so when the Jews see Jesus, uh, you know, especially the Pharisees, the reason why it's hard for them to accept Jesus is because they don't see him taking people out of bondage, but they're not looking at the type of bondage that Jesus is taking people out of, right? It's not the... It's not that surface level bondage that we've seen before. It's not the easily seen bondage. It's bondage to um, to sin, bondage uh, to death, bondage to living without him. Okay. And Jesus comes to take us out of that bondage. So anyways, um, Philip leads uh philip leads his appeal to nathaniel by saying i found the christ i found the messiah that jesus is the messiah this is how we have to this is how we have to lead and this has to be a point that we do not ever compromise on and it doesn't matter how awkward it makes the conversation it doesn't matter even if it's going to cost our lives we have to be willing to assert that jesus is the Messiah, Jesus, is the Christ, okay? And that assertion needs to come before any friendship, any relationship. It needs to come first, right? Even if that assertion is going to cause disagreements or going to cause fights, right? There's a reason why Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword separating Right, father from son and mother from daughter. Why? Because this message of the cross is meant to be polarizing. You are either going to be on this side or that side. And it's just that simple, right? So anyways, Philip leads with this. Philip leads with the assertion that Jesus is the Christ. And he goes to Nathaniel and he tells him that we found him of whom Moses in the law Right, so that's the first five books of the, of the Bible that is uh, referring to the Pentateuch, and also the prophets. So that's the rest of the Old Testament, right? Wrote, right? So he's saying this is the this is the one that Moses and all the other prophets wrote about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Okay, Jesus of Nazareth. We're gonna see why this this. Uh, him being from Nazareth is important. So verse 46, and Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? This is a very telling question. Now, what we're going to have to learn to do as we read the Bible is we're going to have to learn to read into what is, what is being said, what is being said without, um, without putting our own ideas into the text. Okay. So when Nathaniel asks the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That question is telling about that place. That question tells you everything you need to know about the neighborhood that Jesus grew up in. It's such a bad neighborhood. Imagine the neighborhood is so bad. That hearing that somebody good is coming out of that neighborhood in and of itself is enough to make you not believe that Jesus is a Christ. 
because that neighborhood is full of crooks, right? It's full of crime. It's full of, uh, it's a bad neighborhood. Like think about a bad neighborhood. What is a bad neighborhood near your house? Right? Some of you say, I've I never seen a bad neighborhood, right? <laughs> right? But if you think of a bad, a really bad neighborhood, where are some really bad neighborhoods? I know in Toronto, if you say certain areas, you say you're from certain areas, you say that you're from a jungle, or you say, I know when I was a kid, one of the big ones was Galloway, right? It's Scarborough, right? You say that you're from certain areas, uh, people already know what that means. The instant that you say that area, they know what that means. Nazareth is one of those areas. Nazareth is a bad area. Why is that important though? Why is that important? Remember that Christ was intentional in which household he chose to be born into. Think about that, right? So if he wanted to be born into a middle-class family, he could have. If he wanted to be born into a, uh, a high-class family, he could have. If he wanted to be born into a lower-class family, he could have. And that's actually what he chose to do. And if he chose to do that, if he chose to be, uh, if he chose a poor family, think of it. The Messiah came from a poor family. He came from humble beginnings. This is one of the most incredible things about Christ. I know that sounds like it's not, but think about it. When you read history books, what are the kind of men that you read about in history books? What are the kind of people that you read about in history books? Right? Especially that far back. Like we're talking about Julius Caesar time. And that's the whole point. You know the name Julius Caesar. Why? Because he was a king. He was an emperor. He was a, a warrior. Right? He was, uh, you know what I mean? But then Jesus, Jesus wasn't a king. He wasn't, well, now mind you, humanly speaking, as far as the eyes could tell, he wasn't a king, but he was the king of kings. Have mercy. As far as the eyes could tell, he wasn't a conqueror. That he is the greatest conqueror this, this earth has ever seen or ever known. The thing is that he didn't use swords, right? He didn't, he wasn't making fights, right? He wasn't, um, and when I say fights, I'm talking about fighting in terms of like throwing a coup, right? Trying to overthrow a city. That's the kind of Messiah that they're looking for, but they're not realizing that Jesus is doing everything on a deeper level. And everything that he does, he does intentionally because he wants us to understand that he understands. He purposely chooses the difficult path because he knows that our lives have been a difficult path. And if he has to be the one to judge, then he's going to make sure that he puts himself through the human experience to experience it himself so that he can have mercy on you. It's no wonder the Bible says that he remembers our frame, that we are dust, and so he has compassion on us, right? 
Jesus went through it. He knew what it was to, to, to grow up in a, in a bad neighborhood. Most of us don't even know what that feels like, right? I remember I used to have to spend my, well, not have to, but I used to spend my summers uh, in Montreal with my grandma. And the main reason why I would go is because of my cousin. You know, I have an older cousin. His name is Dad Z. And, um, you know, especially when I was a kid, there was no one who I wanted to be more than the way that I wanted to be, you know, Dad Z, right? I looked up to him. He's literally uh, my big brother is literally what, you know, he is and what he was, right? And I, you know, he was the only cousin that I that I really knew when I was a kid, Um well, I shouldn't say that because I also have my cousin Gito and Gelin, but I'm talking about cousin that like, you know, that you play with and, you know, you you actually grow up with and the two of you talk and stuff like that. My other cousins were too old or I just never met them. But anyways, um, you know, it was it was it was interesting growing up because when I would spend my time in Montreal, my cousin lived in a really, 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 really bad neighborhood in Montreal. It's so bad, as a matter of fact, that that's where I learned really how to fight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Imagine I would just spend my summers there and it, it taught me how to fight because you had to be able to fight in an area like that. You had to because you couldn't let somebody punk you and you guys know, know the deal, right? And I can tell you just from summers there, I've seen, I've seen uh, people almost get killed. I've seen people get robbed. I've seen, uh, you know, guys, you know, there's one day I saw these, like a group of guys kick in somebody's door and literally run into the house and rob the house and broad daylight, broad daylight. Right. Um, you know, I remember there was a time even for that specific event afterwards, you know, there was a group of guys that came and invited us to have like pretty much a gang war. They came to the, to the basketball court and they said, Oh, boo, boo, boo. We can't let these guys come to our, come to our block and do, and do whatever they want. And they were like, you know, who's ready to go fight. And, you know, they had backpacks and in the backpacks had all kinds of weapons and stuff. And I wanted to go fight because I was traumatized from what I saw the day the day before or the few days before that it happened. And it's actually my cousin who's like my big brother who stopped me and, you know, pretty much grabbed me and said, are you stupid? You're not going anywhere. Right. But the reason why I'm saying that is I'm saying that growing up in a bad neighborhood is is just is a completely different experience. You know, you have to watch your back. You have to. Um, you know, there's people who will rob you. There's people who will, there's all kinds of stuff. So for Nathaniel to say, what good can come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That shows you that Jesus chose that kind of path so that he would be able to better relate to you and to me. He didn't have even an easy childhood. And that's very important for us to know because we don't know a lot about Jesus's childhood. Right? We have one story of Jesus' childhood. So this, this is a big clue. So anyways, he asks the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says to him, come and see. And this is the beautiful thing, right? We have to remember that 
the Christian experience is a journey. It is a come and see. I, there's certain things I can't tell you. You have to see it. You have to, you have to experience it yourself. You have to, right? And this is the same answer that Jesus gave in verse 49 when John's disciples asked him, where are you staying? He says, come and see. It's an invitation to a journey. It's not an expectation of what's going to happen because the truth is when you choose to follow Christ, you don't know what's going to happen. We have no idea where God is going to put us, where God is going to send us, the things that we're going to have to, 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 to overcome in order to fulfill the mission that God has placed for us. So this is come and see. I'm not guaranteeing you only good times. I'm not guaranteeing. I'm telling you to come and see, to come and see for yourself. And when you see for yourself, you will be able to decide if this, if this is really something that you want or not. But you have to experience it for yourself. You have to. You have to. Right? So Philip says to him, come and see. Come on this journey. Right? Come on this walk. And it's fitting that it would be presented like this because the Christian experience, as I said, really is a journey. You know, before it was called, before we were called Christian, we were called the way. That's what we were called. If you look in the book of Acts, the term Christian, um, I believe it's first mentioned in either chapter 11 of the book of Acts or it's mentioned in chapter 12. Say 10, 11, 12. I would, I would try to flip to it, but I, I know I'm, I don't know specifically where it is, right? But um, yeah, you'll find it there. Where does it say it? Uh, mercy. Now that I've already started flipping the pages, I feel like I should look it up. Ah, but we only have five minutes left. Okay. Let's see. Antioch. Let's see, Church of Antioch. Uh, Acts 13. Let's see. Okay, I'm going to have to be more specific here. <clears throat> Called Christians. Let's see if that works. Okay, Acts 11, verse 26. So I was right. It is Acts chapter 11. Okay, verse 26. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, perfect. Here it is. How much time do we have left? Okay, let's go. Verse 26 of Acts chapter 11. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Okay. One important thing to know about Antioch historically is uh, it was a, a, a melting pot of, of uh, people who used to live there. Right. And the reason why 
they're called Christians is because at that time, everyone kind of kept to themselves. It's very similar to the way it is today. You know, you go to Chinatown, you see Chinese people, right? You go to certain a next area, you see black people. You go to a next area, you see white people, right? And we tend to, as they say, birds of a feather flock together. But um, so back then it would have been the Romans are over here, the Jews are over there, right? The, uh, you know, whatever is over here and whatever is over there, right? The Ethiopians and the whatever, you know, all the different uh, places, right? But then um, what happened is the people of that time, they're looking at this group that had, you know, Romans, that had Jews, that had, uh, you know, black people, white people. It has all kinds of people, right? People that are from all sorts of different places, Thessalonia, Galatia, all these different places, right? And so they couldn't call them Galatians. They couldn't call them Romans. They couldn't call them... Greeks, they couldn't call them Jews. The thing that they had in common was Christ, and so they called them Christians. They called them Christians. That's where that term came from. But initially, we were called the way because the emphasis is on the journey. And God is inviting you and I on a journey with him. That's what he's inviting us on. And he's not going to tell us everything that's going to happen on the journey, but he's inviting you to come and see. And I'm telling you, I've accepted to go on that journey. And I'm so thankful that I did because it's the best decision I've ever made. And there's been times when I've, when I've doubted myself, but I'm so happy that I'm here with God because there's no better place to be. And I invite you to take up the same journey. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we were able to spend in your word. And Lord, I just want to commit your children into your hands, asking that you would be there for them, that you would help them as they're on their journey, and that they would make a decision, Lord, to follow your journey, to walk in paths of righteousness, to walk towards you, and to desire to have a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you that you call us out of where we are, out of what we're doing, into purpose, into mission, and into life. Help us, Lord, to be willing to tell others about it. We thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Take care. Have a good weekend.